You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. For the line, she is gone. Aaron Judge lined one right down the line. Swung on and lined a right center field. It is a base hit. Grounding third, scoring kind of from left off. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. Hey, good morning, everybody. We've got a bonus Bomber Brothers podcast episode here. Sean and Ryan are back. We can take a nice break from talking about how terrible the Yankees have been lately and think back to better days as we uh, are doing our final bonus episode of this installment. The captain finale premiered last night as we record here Friday morning. It was episode seven of seven, directed by Randy Wilkins, who we had on before the first episode aired. Terrific job by him. It was a great series. I I really enjoyed it. We'll be focusing mostly on that finale last night, Sean, which I thought was was definitely heavier than I thought it was going to be. I mean, they got into a lot of stuff that was not really talked about before with a lot of um, Hannah's health problems when she was giving birth to their children and um you know Jeter talking about losing one of his best friends and Gerald Williams which was really sad because of how close they were but um you know overall in terms of the pacing I was really glad that the beginning of the episode just started with um you know Jeter's final game and the last hit and that was you know they got that done and then they got to focus a lot more on his post retirement life well, yeah, I mean, I thought the the way they covered the last game was so good. And, you know, I think for for both of us, we were both at that game and probably probably the top baseball memory we've ever had at being at it. Oh, at, I don't think there's any question. I can probably say with confidence that that will always be yeah. because just because of the impact Jeter had on me personally when I was when I was a kid. I don't really think that could be replicated because I never will be a kid again. So. Um, yeah, I'm pretty confident that was the most memorable experience at any kind of live event, sports, concert, whatever, whatever it may be. And, and I don't think it'll ever be top. But yeah, they did. They did a great job covering it. They, yeah, they captured it really well. I think for me, like that moment is so special because like you said, like we both grew up with Jeter. Like I think Jeter probably predates your memory of of watching baseball. For me, it's like year one or year one and a half. Like I remember life before Jeter, but barely. And it just brings you back. Like he, he was such a special player and it was like, he gave you one more moment of like, you can still feel this way as an adult. You know what I mean? And I think like the, you know, the, it, it was really special, the, you know, the way he goes out. And I, I love how they they really lingered on the shot of the catcher standing up 
before Jeter's final at bat. And I remember being there and your eyes are just fixated, not on Jeter, but on the Orioles catcher. Like, is he going to get walked? It was probably the right move, but like Buck said, he, he wouldn't have made it out of New York alive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, glad, I'm glad they, uh, I'm glad they had Buck there for that to, yeah. to be interviewed for that moment. And it's all, you know, don't forget if I'm not mistaken, I think the Orioles were still playing for some level of home field advantage in the playoffs. They they had to I think they had to win out in order to get it. It was something unlike very yeah. unlikely. But anyway, but yeah, I thought that was a great start to the episode and and really um, a hot emotional high. And then you really get like you said, it got very heavy and very, um, very emotional, um, more so from from Hannah's perspective and not not so much Derek's for the majority of the rest of the episode, obviously, as a husband that affects you. Uh, immeasurably, but I mean, Hannah was very open in what she was dealing with and, uh, and, you know, things like we didn't know going on while he's acquiring the Marlins and, 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 you know, all of this kind of, kind of stuff. And I, I, I thought, I thought they kind of captured pretty well without saying it, that him getting the Marlins was really him kind of stretching himself to the limit of, yeah, I'm in control, but I'm re- relying on some other people in terms of financial investments, and maybe things could get away from me. Uh, it it made it feel like it was very much like he was kind of riding on the edge there. And obviously, then it wraps up with him leaving the ownership group because the the investors want to take the organization in a different direction after he got them into the playoffs in, in only a few years. Yeah, it, I think I think you look back to that you know, shortened 2020 season and Jeter probably got a taste of the team he has been trying to help put together and had this vision for getting to October. And you know, people also could might forget that they actually won a series. They took down the Cubs and in that wild card series. So, you know, I, I would assume I can imagine someone as competitive as Jeter got that taste again, just from a different perspective and was ready to you know, make a push with this team and start investing more in this team. And it seems like that was not shared among, among the rest of, of the, uh, the ownership brain of the Marlins, which is probably a evidence of history repeating itself, even though it was different ownership. It, I mean, that's been the Marlins MO forever is, you know, have a good season, tear it down have a good season a few years later, tear it down. A couple of those have, have resulted in World Series rings, but it's they have always struggled to to get fans out there. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have heard more from Jeter kind of confirming that and saying, you know, I was I was ready to win. I was ready to try to take this to um to the next level. And once it seemed like they were going back on whatever vision it was that they agreed upon when they when they bought the team that that he was out but it, i also i also enjoyed in the beginning of his marlins tenure that they spent some time focusing on the negative reaction and response that jeter got as owner because as soon as he came in they traded away john carlos stanton the the reigning mvp and and thank you to their other cornerstones as well yeah i i mean and he, he fired a lot of a lot of staff and brought in some, some new staff and he faced some backlash for that. But, you know, like he said, the way that they had the team built, it wasn't working. So he went in a different direction. And in a few years, it, it worked. Then they regressed and the ownership was like, well, you had we had our one playoff appearance. Now we're going back to to nothing and, and Jeter left. But it, 
I also like the moments they showed sort of in that space between his retirement and and where where he really got into the ownership of of him being a being a dad and um and a husband like it was like his mom said like he really let his hair down even though he doesn't have any hair that was a funny line and I think uh I think uh Mrs. Jeter um takes the Derek's mom takes takes the win for the the documentary. She was great in every interview she gave, and uh, I, yeah. I really enjoyed listening to her. She was really funny, but it was cool seeing him just be a normal person. And like, yeah, Derek was this closed off, um, icy cold player and personality for for eighteen years, but it was so he could perform for us, and and he did that, and and then he moves on with his life and he's able to kind of let that wall come down and be a family man. And, and he said, it wouldn't have been fair for me to have a family while I was playing. He, he you know, he, he, I, he has said that before, but uh, I, I really respect him for that and understanding like he, you, you know, you can't, you can't um, have a half measure in, in life and succeed. You need to go full, full force on things. And, and he really went full force into his career and he really went full force into being a, a family man. It seems. Yeah. I have a ton of respect for, Jeter's sense of self-awareness, I guess, in that aspect, kind of acknowledging that, you know, seeing other players, kids in the clubhouse, like they show CC celebrating with his kid after the 2009 world series and Jeter saying like, Oh man, that would probably be pretty cool. But also acknowledging that that's just not him that, you know, someone like CC might be able to compartmentalize that stuff. But Jeter was just so tunnel vision and immediately on to the next season after they won and just being so hyper-focused on his career that it wouldn't have been fair to to Hannah or or the kids that if, if he had sorrowed a family before retirement. But I agree. I mean, seeing everything about him being a dad and a, and a family man, like the videos of him just like playing with his kids were super heartwarming. I love the story he told about when he dropped his daughter off at school and when he was going out of town for like two days and um, Hannah was kind of like giving him a hard time about getting teary eyed after they dropped her off because he had never, you know, cried when they got married, engaged, or at any point during his his playing career. That was that was really that was really nice to see. But I, I also agree that I think um, I think Mrs. Jeter was the best interview subject for this for this whole documentary followed closely by Hannah. I think I really enjoyed all of her stuff. She was super real. I mean, it definitely got very, very real. And in this last episode talking about, you know, her hemorrhaging and emergency C-sections and I mean, that's scary stuff to do. And then just to come back a couple of days later and do a press conference with Jeter to announce the uh, purchase of, of the Marlins. That's um, man, that was, that was definitely unexpected heavy stuff that I had no idea was really going to going to be a part of this documentary. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I kind of think the documentary as a whole followed a lot of, you know, I, I tweeted last night, it really captured Jeter. And it, I, I think it, it, I mean that in more ways than one. It was very steady and very buttoned up at times when it needed to be. Uh, it wasn't salacious or, or any kind of cheap shots or, or anything at anybody. But as he moved on from his playing career, I thought in this last episode, it was the most open we got out of a lot of the interviews. It, you know, it was very raw. Uh, and Jeter's been more open since he's retired. So I thought uh, it, it really followed him in that way. And then you get to this episode and you're like, you know, they were they were dealing with some real real issues um post post retirement when when he was starting this family that he had he had put off but you know i think that 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 was the thing about his mom's interviews too was like from the beginning she was very open and honest and in in you know dealing with being in a biracial marriage and and you know all the way up until the end seeing him as a father i thought that was that was really interesting but um yeah i mean overall uh you know just just a really great great uh series i th- i thought i really enjoyed it beginning to end um but you know one thing one thing that struck me um it, more so in the in the last episode and then and then this one um i kind of wish you know he had a charmed life but i kind of wish he had a little bit of a better ending at times i don't know i mean he the, he his ownership of the marlins dealing with that you find out with his wife like that's a really really rough couple of years after your 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 playing career that that's kind of sad for someone that brought us so much joy that that's what they dealt with in the five years after retirement before they got into the hall of fame of course but yeah yeah well definitely definitely happy it has continued with you know the hall of fame and them having what seems to be a happy healthy family so that's that's good but you're right yeah it seemed like seemed like Jeter definitely endured some some tough years even before retirement with like dealing with his broken ankle and Hannah talked last episode about how difficult it was to see him the way he was dealing with that and and then you know all, all the scares with Hannah post retirement and having a a tough time with with the uh with the Marlins um but it was it was uh it was all None of not it wasn't all good, but it was all interesting to to hear about and definitely definitely struck a chord with uh in, in many ways in this in this last episode. And I also really liked how seemingly reflective Jeter was after he retired. And as as the Hall of Fame announcement came, it seemed like it had him thinking a lot more about his career again. I really enjoyed hearing about how he pulled Cashman aside in Cooperstown at the Hall of Fame to kind of bury the hatchet because as Jeter admitted, they butted heads a lot. And I'm sure being a part of an ownership group gave him more perspective on how difficult it is to make certain roster decisions. So I think it was, I think it was really cool to see uh, or hear that Jeter did that and went to talk to Cashman and kind of make sure there were, there were no hard feelings. Yeah, that was, that was really nice. It was nice to hear him say that he wishes he could have, appreciated some of what he did more but it just he wouldn't have been able to bend him without it unless that he recognizes that and and you know i think with the hall of fame he was able to look back and you know appreciate it afterwards but maybe not in the moment 
And, uh, you know, it, it pretty much ends like the last topic is about Alex, right? Before they go into like the closing, the closing piece. And I guess they have not made peace with each other yet, but they're contents to at some point, it seems like. And yeah, or, or did or did they make peace between the that the filming of that interview and right now? Because they're yeah, they're not... coming on the the they're coming on the. uh ESPN simulcast together on Sunday night baseball this Sunday. So that's true. Maybe, maybe it's happened already. Who knows? But I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy seeing that. And I really enjoyed seeing that from Hannah's perspective and her saying, like, I think it would be good for, for them to get together behind closed doors without cameras rolling to, you know, acknowledge the fact that they were really young at the time and not everyone handles the press the way, the way Derek did it just, I don't know. It, it, I've got a lot of enjoyment out of listening to Hannah's interviews to kind of see what kind of influence she has on, on Jeter's life. Cause I feel like so often it can be focused on the other way around because Jeter's the star and this icon and is super famous, but it's, it's cool to see what kind of really, I don't know, stable and uh, perceptive presence he has with, with Hannah too. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I thought her interviews were the most revealing out of anybody. Um, that was one thing I, you know, I noticed throughout the series when you compare it to The Last Dance or something else. There was no kind of tea or rumors or anything out of any of Derek's former teammates. You know, they had Tino and Pettit and Mariano, Posada. Um, you know, Alex was the only person that kind of talked about anything that we had never heard before out of all of his teammates, in my opinion. And I think that's because of the loyalty that he talks about. And because of the way, you know, Sweeney said, it's kind of like the Godfather and, and you don't tell anyone outside the family what you're thinking. And there's just like such loyalty among that group. And that's great. But it also that times makes for a harder time for, for, you know, Randy to tease out a story and Hannah as the, the wife has seen the, the sides of him and, and in this post career, right? Like obviously Tino and Jorge probably aren't around Derek as much as, as Hannah at this point, but she's around him now and is able to kind of share that window of like, this is what he's like after this is like what uh, drives him now after his career and, and interesting. So I thought that was really, you know, I, I thought that was really interesting and really insightful as well. And uh, I'm glad, I'm really glad that we got that um, because to me, that's more interesting than teammates that had a bone to pick going on record. Like you saw in, in like the last thing I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Me too. Um, I guess. What do you, what do you think as a whole though? As, as a whole? Well, the first thing, the other thing I wanted to mention before we get into that is I really, in terms of like X's and O's quote unquote, kind of look at that final episode. I loved a lot of the things they did um, just like cinematically, I guess you would say, like, I loved the audio splice between all the calls when Jeter Yes, it's his yes. game-winning hit between Sterling and Kay and, and Gary Thorne. I thought that was all really well done. Um, and then I really enjoyed when he got the Hall of Fame call, how they kept cutting back and forth between him picking up the phone when he found out he was drafted. And then at the end of the episode, they were just like showing all of his career highlights. And a couple of them were spliced up with him just like walking around as a little kid. And they were talking about how he was just like born to be a Yankee and everything. I thought that was all that was all really, really well done. Yeah, Randy was able to show off a little bit this episode, I felt like, which is good because he he did a great job. And, um, 
you know, just recognizing how good the Gary Thorne call is that you have to include it next to, you know, John Sterling and Michael yeah, Kay's call. Gary Thorne's was, the man. Yeah, it was, was awesome. I've I've been trying to find his call of the double for for a while. I was trying to find it this morning because it was a I heard it once on like something. It was really good. But no, that was great. The call was great, how they juxtaposed it against when he got the call for 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 being drafted. Um and and yeah, the the montages were good. I also liked how his his dad said it was all all in the genes. In the genes yeah. That was that was funny. His dad's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah, he cracked me up a few uh, in a few of these in these interviews. But yeah, great episode. I, I enjoyed it a lot in terms of overall. I mean, I, I really, aside from episode two, is kind of the only one where we sat here and said it kind of felt a little more like a montage. And I mean, but to also be fair, I mean, that was when you were covering the heyday of this Yankees dynasty, where it didn't really seem like anything was going wrong. Like it was just this perfectly assembled team where everyone was clicking and on the same page and just wanted to win. And it was pretty much Jeter just enjoying nothing but instant success. So I don't know how much more that second episode could have been, but every other one I came away absolutely, absolutely loving all of it. I mean, episodes three and four, I thought were awesome when we talked about them after, I think the penultimate episode episode six was fantastic i really really enjoyed episode one even after watching it a second time after we saw it at the at the premiere uh, i i really i really enjoyed it i mean i go back to my initial concerns about it about how you know closed off jeter was talking about his life and career for 20 years when we watched him so i didn't know how much they were going to be able to to give, but not only did they get more, not only did Randy get more out of Jeter, but like, like we've said, the interviews with his parents, with, um, with Hannah. And I mean, there's so many other people just helped shed even, even more, even more light on his, on his life and career. So I thought it was fantastic. I look forward to months, years, whatever it may be in the future, sitting down and just like binge watching them all again. Yeah. I, I re- I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought I saw uh, somebody tweet it at Randy last night that they were just really thankful for it because they had they were born in '96 and they remembered the Yankees winning in '09. But for everything else, it really made them feel like they were along for the ride. And I, I thought it re- did a really good job of of capturing that ride. And, and like you said, episode two was definitely a an episode that Yankee fans are going to gravitate towards, but maybe not. So, so many other people, but we kicked your rear ends for, for three out of four years and Jeter won the rookie of the year in 96 and in 98, we had the best team of all time. So you can't really tease out anything negative there except for yeah. the loss to Cleveland. So what do you want me to do? Um, and, and that's it. We, we you know, they, they were dominant and, and yeah, they got into the arbitration hearing. They didn't talk about Mariah Carey, which is the only thing else they could have added <laughs> in that would have been interesting. And we've all heard that story so many times and who cares? Like, so I, I mean, you know, I, I thought it was really good. Um, I also thought that there you have to understand your subject and there is not as much drama surrounding Derek Jeter or the Yankees as there are for a lot of other stars or a lot of other teams. They were a really tight ship and that's why they won. So if you're going in looking for all this like kind of craziness, like the last dance, which is super exciting to watch. It's so much fun to watch like a, a the last dance or, you know, a football documentary that has a little bit more drama the Yankees weren't like that and you can't make a story out of nothing. 
And I appreciate that they conveyed that, like how, like in the episode in 98, where they're like talking about the the fight, like Jeter's like, no, I have this on lock and here are my witnesses and we don't have a problem. And, you know, I, I, I appreciated that they really conveyed that that was part of their strategy is to avoid distractions and focus on winning. And, and the documentary captured that well. And it also really captured too, like, I thought, you know, I had said like, it's, it's sad that the ending is what, what it is with, with his family and 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 how the ownership went down obviously you know everybody's fine so that that's good but you know i don't know about you but definitely the second half of derek's career it was a lot of um a lot of playoff disappointment and then you had the personal accolade so you kept kind of getting back to that feeling of the the beginning of his career but never quite reaching that high um that you had when you you won the championships except for 09 and i thought they did a really good job of building up back to 2009 and then kind of coming back down and just showing okay here's the 3000th hit here's the 2012 season so i thought they did a really good job of taking you on the run of what it felt like with the highs and then the you know episode 6 uh, 5 and 6 were just just gutting like when you go through the 04 collapse and then when he breaks his ankle like you know, it really brought you down low when it when it needed to. I thought it was I thought it was it was really, really good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I I loved it. And I think you you said it perfectly that this was never going to be a last dance type um type story because some teams thrive on a little bit of of discourse. That wasn't the Yankees. They were they were we want to do nothing but but win. And we think that any other potential distraction is is gonna get in the way of that. And you had other teams that for whatever reason kind of thrived off some of that stuff and that was just as entertaining too i mean the jordan rules is one of my favorite books of all time and the last dance was was great in that aspect and if someone told me that the next seven part espn docuseries they were going to make was going to be you know centered on reggie jackson and talk about the 77 78 Yankees, then I would watch that in a heartbeat too and be thrilled to see what kind of stories came out of that. Unfortunately, a lot of those key interview subjects aren't with us anymore, so that wouldn't work as well. But just to illustrate that, like I would be all in on something like that as well. But that's just not that's just not what this Yankee team was about. And Jeter was was the face of that. Like, like you said, with the the Chad Curtis altercation and anything like that, like that, those were the kind of stuff that got buried right away because the Yankees just saw it as um as like a, a nuisance that got in the way of what they were there to do which was which was win and they found that collective mentality and it was the perfect one for them it showed in how much they won 
It was certainly a joy to watch when we were involved. And the fact that they did that all with George Steinbrenner as their owner in terms of like keeping most of their, or if any public drama under the radar is, is pretty, pretty damn impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's a really good documentary on the 78 team, 14 back, which was oh, on yeah. like sports SI, Illustrated. and you, you can't, I can't find it anywhere now, but it was really good. It was good. weird that it was narrated by Ray Romano, but it works. Yeah. So, <laughs> You've also, we've also got the Bronx is burning mini series, not a documentary, obviously, but yeah, but yeah, the, the 14 back is so good because it really captures the drama between the two teams. But um, yeah, that again, that that's a super interesting. That's that's the era you want if you want the drama. But these these Yankees were not the Bronx Zoo, so to speak. They were they were a tight ship. And even the drama they did have or that, you know, it was more because guys wanted to isolate themselves. I feel like, you know, they they covered that in 04. Like guys put pressure on themselves. They didn't, you know, Kevin Brown and was a loner. And, you know, Giambi was never, you know, and, and Sheffield and whatnot. They weren't causing like a lot of trouble, except when, you know, Gary Sheffield made his comments about Joe Torre. But that was after he was gone. So. It, you know, could you imagine though if one of the Yankees from the '90s uh, went after like Game Two of the World Series to go wrestle in the NWO like Rodman did? <laughs> It'd be a much, much different. Which, which, which Yankee do you think would would have would have done that if if one had to? From any era, from 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 Jeter's era. Oh, so David you, you Wells. Would, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't even think it's close. But uh, I would I would put my money on Strawberry or Graham Lloyd to, to have oh, the yeah. best result. <laughs> that that's my favorite part of the documentary. Still, is when they needle drop Bob O'Reilly and go into '98 because that was yeah that was a solid montage. That was that year to me is the most special season, and nothing will ever top that. Just because they were they're the best team ever. I mean, they won 125 games, including the postseason, and they won the World Series. The Mariners didn't do that. The Black Sox didn't do that, probably through their own fault, and and the Yankees did, and no, nobody else had. And the Yankees took down the 0-1 Mariners. Yeah, which it's, is crazy. It's, it's funny you bring it's funny you bring that up because thinking about like things that maybe could have been that like left a little something to be desired from the documentary. I felt like they, re, I feel like that 2001 ALCS was kind of just like skipped over. And I think after, I think after talking about you know, focusing on the 98 team, which Jeter always brings up as, as the best of all time. I guess I would have liked to have heard a little more about their, you know, mindset and motivation going into that series against the 116 win team that they basically just spanked. So I know there wasn't too much drama around it, but I think it would have been cool to kind of hear their mindset a little more of, of what they were, what they were thinking when they were taking on a team that was challenging their, their, uh, claim as as the best team ever yeah i agree but i think it you know they beat them in five yeah so like i said may, there, maybe there yeah, going drama. into it you don't think about it as as much because i mean you know the, the first two games were, were good games obviously game four was you know a classic and you know game five they uh they blew them out to win the series so pretty incredible i like uh i don't know on john jastrzemski's podcast for the ringer they had Jeff Nelson on and, and he said that he could, he was on the Mariners in 01 and he could tell that they just didn't have the experience to go up against the Yankees. Cause when things started to go bad, he could tell everybody got tight. And with the Yankees, it was like, we, we got this, we've been there before and, and, and whatnot. But 
overall, I, I you know, I, I really enjoyed it and appreciate that we now have this to always look back on for, you know, probably, you know, the, the biggest baseball icon that we'll ever get to watch their entire career, um, you know, beginning to end, because Aaron Judge is probably going to go sign somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're not going to end on that kind of note because that's just sad. But, let let me know. ask you this um, real quick. If they were going to do a documentary on another player that you've seen play, you don't have to see in his whole career, but the majority of it, let's say, who who would you want to see? And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be – it could be like a baseball – it could be it, it could be a, a Yankee-centric story. It doesn't have to be like broader, like, like Derek had global influence, but just curious – um, I mean, my first gut reaction is CC, but he's already had a documentary done about him on HBO from under the, what was it? Under the grapefruit, grapefruit tree? tree. Yeah. From so, under the cork tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, a boy reference for the fans. You know what I think would be cool if like, if they did something with like Matsui or Tanaka and we got a view of like how legendary they were in Japan and like what the perspective was from their from their home country once they came over here. And, you know, you always hear about the wild media coverage from Japan, Japanese news outlets when, when they were here, I think that would be, that would be really cool. Like Tanaka learning about how, you know, he came over, he was his rookie of the year candidate dominating. And then he got hurt and basically had to change so much of who he was as, as a pitcher and was so money in, in the playoffs. I, th- I think those would be really good ones that I would, I would definitely be, interested in in hearing about i would want it to be a different era than than jeter's era like i you know we've i mean it's so at least for us as yankee fans it's so well documented and now even more so thanks thanks to randy and and Derek. but yeah i would like to explore a a different era now i think and you know i know matsui kind of bleeds over into that one but i think that would be a i think that would be a pretty cool one that's a good idea i remember reading a story about hiroki kuroda about what his life was like coming up in Japan as a baseball player. And it was pretty eye-opening. And uh, I'd love to love to see that too. But I know you just said you don't want to see another one from this era, but I think the story that has been uh, kind of circled around and, you know, we have a Yankeeography on him, but Bernie was here when they were terrible. And Bernie is the reason Bernie is like the oldest child of the of the dynasty where because he succeeded the others were able to follow i'd love to get a more in-depth kind of parallel between the rise of the yankees and and bernie and i just feel like he's never gotten his proper due as much as we've always said like oh you know bernie is so important i just feel like he's never gotten that look that he that he deserves and being signed with the yankees at 16 um you know we 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 all talk about like you know, Jeter and, and and Posada and Pettit and and Mo is kind of like this group that was the the collective savior. But without Bernie, none of this happens. And I'd I'd love to kind of dig into. And he had a rough up upcoming in the in the Yankees, and you know, with with hazing and and the other players really not understanding him and thinking he was too meek. But as we know, Bernie is the mo one of the most fiercest competitors that they had on that team. And and uh, I'd I'd love to dig into Bernie a little bit more because I think he's he's a fascinating person. Uh, oh and, yeah, you know, no for sure. Included. Yeah, no, certainly my favorite Yankee, not named Jeter. So that would that I'd sign up sign up for that. There's a bunch of stuff to tell. 
obviously, you know, they should probably make thir- a 13 episode Tino Martinez documentary, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah I, I, I like your ideas about Matsui and, and Tanaka too. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what's next. I mean, I definitely love this documentary age we're in, but that the 30 for 30s have helped breed. It's always great to dive into uh, different eras of sports and different sports. So this one was obviously our wheelhouse. It's my favorite athlete of all time, our favorite era of all time by any team. So to get seven episodes of it was certainly a treat. So Again, we're super thankful to Randy and Derek for helping make that happen. But yeah, I mean, I guess my last words would just be that I loved it and I'm looking forward to revisiting again in its totality in the future. Yeah, I same, same. I You said it best. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and for uh, hearing our reactions to all these episodes. It was super fun to not just watch them, but get to talk about them again after. Thanks so much to Sweeney for joining us for so many of these as well. And we'll think of some other uh, bonus stuff we can do throughout the weeks. And But now the focus is back to the 2022 Yankees getting back on track. So make, remind sure, me. <laughs> make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be right back here uh, after the weekend to talk about the series against the Red Sox. So stick around. Thanks for listening. See you later, everybody.